We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You know what? It's uh, As long as Sam is here, he is going to get everything we have. He's going to get all of us. And I'll never speculate whether or not he's on the team or off the team because my job is to coach the men that are on this team and to do the best I can to help them get to where they want to go. And uh, so speculating and trying to answer those questions would be impossible. But what I will tell you is that as long as Sam is here, he's going to get all of us. And, uh, and that's, that's the best I can give you. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I am your whiskey cell toast, Drew Gear, And this is Chris Kruger over here, my producer from the Rockwell Report. And that was Robert Sala from his appearance on WFAN's Evan and Chris talking about the the way Sam Darnold is currently viewed by him and his staff. It's, in, it's insane. Woo! I mean, I've heard of that same kind of context before, maybe with Goff and other quarterbacks that you don't know if you're going to hold on to. <laughs> it's, it's the New York Jets, as we talked about, um, we talked about at the end of the season that the New York Jets were going to be the most interesting team in the division. And it's it, it's already bearing fruit. And so with that, I don't want to waste any time. We want to bring in tonight's guest, Mr. Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. How are you, sir? Hey, boys. I got to give it to Robert Sella. If nothing else, he didn't, how do I put this, lie? He more <laughs> or less said what he could say. He came out and said, listen, for as long as Sam's here, we're going to give him whatever we can give him. Whether he's on the team or not, I can't really tell you. And that's it. I mean, he didn't come out and say we're going to trade him. He didn't come out and say some nonsense about Sam is definitely our quarterback. He just told you. And, and quite frankly, I think that's what he said is 100% legit. I don't think they've decided 100% whether they're going to trade him or not. So I think he was kind of leveling with people. He's saying... 
I don't know. That was sort of his way of saying I don't know. And that just underscores the anarchy that is the the Jets offseason that's laying out in front of everyone. Now, before we start, I'm sitting here sipping on a glass of bullet rye. But Chris, because of our friend Brett Coleman, has here, fa- he's now considered here. himself a fancy man. Take take some of that. I, I made a whiskey sour just now with uh, High West Double Rye. I used an ounce of lemon juice, uh, like a quarter ounce of, of blood orange, and then like uh, just under a half ounce of simple syrup. And then, of course, an egg, the egg white. I saw you with an egg, and I was like, what the hell is he doing over there? Folks, this is what it's come to. My was, producer, was that not good? No. Was that, was that not good? Scott, you can see us, right? Mm-hmm. One of us has hair gel. The I don't other have hair gel. Is wearing, is wearing a hoodie. Doesn't he look like the guy you'd see wearing, ooh, drinking a whiskey drink with an egg in it? Yeah, pretty much. If one of us was going to be <laughs> drinking straight bourbon and one of us was going to drink something with an egg in it, you could pretty much tell who it's going to be by looking at Did it. Did you not like that whiskey sour? I plead the fifth. Onwards and upwards, we <laughs> launch directly into the AFC East Roundup Jets offseason preview. I want to start this as I start every installment for each team with some 2020 standings and stats of note. The New York Jets in 2020 were 32nd in scoring margin per game at negative 13.4. They were 31st in yards per pass attempt. 26th in scoring defense, 18th in takeaways per game. And when you look at their statistics as a whole, you well, there's some interesting trends there in terms of yardage. I mean, <sighs> rushing attempts per game, Frank Gore, the archaic Frank Gore, somehow paced you guys at 12 and a half, which underscores that you didn't really have much of a plan. <laughs> like, 12 and a half? Twelve and a half from Methuselah. He was the guy carrying the load. I think that underscores the way that roster was built and the confusion that just surrounds the rest of the NFL looking at this football team. So now that we've had a chance to take a deep breath, proper introduction is necessary. Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet podcast, weekly guest of our AFC East Roundup podcast during the regular season, and now no longer the Barry Horowitz of our AFC East Roundup You are perhaps, in fact, a representative of the most interesting team in the division. How does that feel? I got promoted from Barry Horowitz level jobber to main eventer just like that. How about that? Yeah. I am now now the rock. I went from Barry Horowitz to the rock. (laughs) I will say, though, Drew, it's, it's great because, look, I hope they get this right, obviously, but at least it gives us some interesting content to talk about over the next couple of weeks and months. And unfortunately, and I'm sure you gentlemen know this feeling well, even though the Bills have gotten good the last few years, the offseason tends to be the most interesting time for this team. Uh, training camp as well. Everybody want, is, is big on the Jets in the offseason and training camp. And maybe for the first couple of weeks of the season. And then they realize the team is bad and all of a sudden interest starts to wane until you get to the end of the season and it's, oh, who are they going to draft? Who are they going to get in free agency? So... This is the Jets' time to shine. It has been that way for the last few years, and I'm just hoping that they take enough positive steps to make this a situation where the offseason is not as interesting as the regular season. But it is nice to answer your question, Drew, to have something 
interesting to talk about it. So it does feel good in that respect. Now, this is the I mean, this is typically the time of time of the year when NFL fans are coming to terms with the realities that surround their favorite teams. You're starting to frame your expectations for what's upcoming in the offseason and kind of what lies ahead of you. I mean, there's only the delusional lunatic fringe of every fan base, which unfortunately for Bills fans, I feel like, Chris, I, I can't go on Facebook, like into these Bills fan groups. There's so many of them that I have a really hard time even participating in conversation because they're all bad radio callers. In the sense that they're just, well, cut this guy, sign this guy. But you don't understand what a salary cap is. You don't know what, (laughs) oh, they better draft this guy. Well, he's going to be gone 10 picks before you even, you're even on the clock. So good luck. Thanks for playing. But but reasonable fans, smart fans, the the people that I've, I've hoped that we've cultivated along with hard drinkers, this is where they start to cultivate what's going to be reasonable for their team to accomplish in the upcoming offseason. But unlike the other three teams in the division, the Jets are in this wild place where literally anything seems like it could be possible. Now, some of that's because the last couple years have been so miserable, but part of it's because nobody, there's so many beach balls in the, not, not just like, oh, hey, there's a big matzo ball in the air. That's a phrase that one of my uncles used to use, and I hated it. Because, first of all, matzo ball, it's not, the way he would say it had an Italian inflection, but matzo ball soup is a Jewish food. Like, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. But these aren't just matzo balls. These are beach balls in the air for the Jets franchise. And depending on how they fall, it could dramatically change what the offseason trajectory for this team is. Just how volatile is this offseason, just in the range of possibilities for this team from your perspective? Oh, listen, it could go anywhere because the Jets have a lot of cap space and a lot of draft picks, right? But who's to say that that turns out good or bad? We have no idea. It's it's like that old, you know, what's behind door number two. And we've seen this movie before, right? The Jets have had a lot of cap space and a lot of draft picks, and they promptly did nothing positive with it or very little positive with it. So the question is, will Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and all the other decision makers surrounding the Jets, you know, Mike LaFleur, Jeff Ulbrich, to the extent that they have any say in the personnel decisions, how much is this going to be a positive endeavor? How much is it going to be a negative endeavor? And then it becomes, okay, are they going to make a move at quarterback? And I'm sure we'll talk about Sam Darnold. Are they going to trade him? If not, what, what are they going to plan to do with him when he comes back here and needs to be completely rebuilt? If they do trade him, what are they, they going to do? Are they going to be able to get Deshaun Watson? Are they going to make a move for somebody like Dak Prescott? Are they going to draft somebody in the draft? And then, of course, all the other questions. Who are the guys that they're going to get in the draft? Could they move up? Could they move down? Free agency. Are they going to land big fish like Allen Robinson? Because they haven't really spent in that way in a couple of years. The last quote-unquote marquee type of free agent that they landed, I guess, was Le'Veon Bell, and that didn't work out so well, even though, full disclosure, I was in favor of it at the time, considering the circumstances around the Jets at that moment. So there's so much in the air. Nobody knows what this team is going to look like, which is equal parts exciting and terrifying, I suppose. Although it's not that terrifying only because – it would be almost impossible for the Jets to be worse next year. I say almost 
because we said that in 1995 after Rich Kotite's first year, and they proceeded to be worse the following year. So anything could happen, but I would say that the fact that everything is such a wild card right now makes it equal parts fun and very, very scary. Okay, so let's start here. You want to talk about salary salary cap and draft pick situation. 75.3 million in cap space, the number two overall pick, and six picks in the top 100. Now, for a team that has a lot of work to do, the cap situation and that glut of highly rated draft picks, that's a boon, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in Douglas's season-ending presser, he specifically mentioned the following as needs. These are his words, not mine, and I just want to get your reaction to them in totality. Explosive playmakers, pass rushers, cover linebackers and corners, Guys who are physical and guys who are fast. I, Scott, I, I don't mean to be glib, but isn't that a whole damn football team? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he may as well have just come out and said, look, our team sucks. <laughs> and we need to upgrade at every position, which is the truth. That's the truth. He, yeah, he took the political road where he's like, well, we need to. It kind of reminds me of, I remember there was a show when I was growing up and you guys are around the same age, so I'm sure you, you may have watched it. It was called California Dreams. It used to be on after oh, Saved by the Bell. I love that morning. show. Yeah, I love so that one show. Of my, one of my favorites growing up. But there was a character you probably remember. He was the manager of the band named Sly. And Sly was this kind of slimy, self-centered guy. And he used to do this bit where somebody would say something and, and accuse him of something negative, And then he would say, no, I'm not that thing. And then go on to completely define what he was just called. So, for instance, I remember one time somebody said, Sly, you're so selfish. And he said, hey, I am not selfish. I just put my needs ahead of others. And that's kind (laughs) of like what happened with Joe Douglas there. Instead of just coming out and saying, hey, we need to upgrade literally everywhere. It's just like, well, we need this, 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 this. And then somebody would say, oh, so in other words, you need to upgrade your entire team. (laughs) But so that has to make you feel good that you finally have a GM that says, look, we're not just patching over random pieces of this. We're not just going to try to Christian and Hackenberg our way to our way to victory here full scale rebuild with this thing it, doesn't that feel good to find I mean the Bill, Bills fans ran into it in 2017 when Brandon Bean came in here and just started taking a scalpel to our roster people people screamed what are you doing you're tanking oh your first year this GM is selling us down the river and then we made the fucking playoffs why? Because he identified guys he could get value for and essentially said, look, coach, who do who, who do you think you can win with? I'll leave that. Anybody else who has value, we'll piecemeal him because his cap situation sucks and we're still going to have to take our medicine and rebuild. But I'm going to get value for who I can and, we're, and he was meticulous about it. I feel like Joe Douglas, in saying these things, almost comes across as a guy who could do some of the same things we saw from Brandon Bean. I mean, do you feel that way? I think that's what the intention is. I hope that he's able to carry it out as successfully as Brandon Bean has, because remember, John Idzik came in with the exact same game. (laughs) It just didn't work out. And I say that all the time. I say, look, whatever anybody wants to say about John Idzik, the reason why I don't think he was anywhere near as bad as Mike McCagnin is because 
McCagnan was here for five years as opposed to two, so he did so much more damage. And for whatever you want to say about Idzik, at least he had the right idea. He just couldn't execute that idea. Mike McCagnan did what you were just talking about, which was he wasn't sure whether he was going all in or rebuilding, and then he was trying to paper over things and make all these weird low-budget investments in incredibly important positions. And then he drafts that court, the quarterback, Sam Darnold, and tries to say, oh, well, we're rebuilding again, and you don't get to rebuild like 700 times as a general <laughs> manager. That's just not how this works. So, yeah, it is good to have Joe Douglas be like John Idzik, essentially, and, and come in here and say, this all needs to be gutted, and we need to change everything. But the question becomes, is he going to be the guy that can successfully carry this out? And that's really the billion-dollar question because the Jets are worth over a billion dollars. I wouldn't say million because I don't want to sell short on this. So that's really where, what this comes down to now. Is he going to be able to make the right decisions? So they got all those picks. I would love to see them get that to Sean Watson or a Jake Summers, if you will. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> 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 the story, guys, before we keep going, I just have to point this out since you mentioned Jake Summers. A, my brother is Facebook friends with the actor in real life, J. Anthony Frankie. He lives down in, like, Australia now and, and works for a video game company. And B, uh, the other day, my brother and I spent a good hour just texting each other the lyrics to various California Dream songs. So just thought you guys would get a kick out of that. I love. I do. Here's I do. what I love. I love when somehow our guests end up connecting with Chris on some <laughs> level of dork that he just resides in because it underscores like, listen, we're all in this together. We're we're all we're all nerds in this together. Just it's a spectrum. Yeah. And you two are now kindred spirits. I, I'm never going to forget this conversation. Yeah, I, the two of you are forever tied at the hip. I am the Jake Summers of this podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> what you are is you're one step away. You're one step away instead of balls le- from being taxi driver. I can go put on my leather jacket if you want me to. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he has a, <laughs> he has a leather jacket that he wears with a white T-shirt underneath it. Scott, I, I got to tell you, he comes to places with a leather jacket on and a white T-shirt underneath it like a greaser. I got a black like, and a brown one. Like, like he was wa- Jake Summers then. That's what he used to wear. He, like he's one of the extras <laughs> from the movie Grease, like the one who couldn't dance. Like and that's and that's. Hey, I can dance if you get enough alcohol in me, Chris. We've seen it. You scared a bunch of women and told them they had AIDS. Hey, well, (laughs) yeah, no. He pointed at them doing the robot and just pointed and goes, "You've got AIDS," and they went, "What?" What it's like a Family Guy sketch. Yeah, no, it, it was happening in real life. My life, my wife was horrified, but also took a video. It exists. I will send it to you later. But so with this, we've we've gotten off track. All of this capital, none of it means anything yet because we don't know what your offseason plans are. And that it's problematic because where some teams, like when you sit down with the Patriots, you can say, here's what your needs are. Here's how you're probably going to go about addressing them. Here's some guys who you're been, you've been linked to. Here's some moves you've been linked to making. You guys are all over the fucking map. I'm looking at, okay, let's talk about the big one here. The Deshaun Watson and the perpetual will he or won't he. Now, you have been one of of my favorite Twitter follows for the last week and a half because you've been taking on the national media (laughs) at at every turn. I mean, 
people who say a lot of just uh, essentially can, can we agree that it's just guys who talk to talk they fill up the air with words but none of it's actually substantiated by anything and it's just there for conjecture mm-hmm. and you That's take umbr- and you take umbrage to that right yeah it's annoying because how many times do you see something where they're not saying anything and they're trying to pass it off like it like i, I saw one the other day where it was Deshaun Watson has no intention of reporting and the Texans have no intention of trading him. So in other words, you have nothing to tell me. So what are we even talking about here? You see that all the time. It's constant nonsense content or non-content, I would say. As far as Watson, though, it's crazy because, look, I hope that he does become available. And I do think that, A, the Jets would be aggressive. And, B, if they're willing to be aggressive enough, they would make the most sense for the Texans as a trading partner for a variety of reasons. And John McClain, who is basically a mouthpiece for the Texans, everybody knows that. He was on with my friend Nick Spano and his partner Frankie on U Stadium's live stream. And he basically said, look, the reason why the Jets make the most sense is because they have the most capital, but they also offer the Texans the one thing that nobody else can, which is their choice of any quarterback in this draft other than Trevor Lawrence, right? So it makes a lot of sense if the Jets are willing to get aggressive. But me personally, now I don't know what the Texans are going to do. And they could probably screw up a ham sandwich. That's how incompetent that organization is. I would say, listen, if I'm the Castario, I would say, listen, Deshaun, I don't know what your situation is with ownership. I know you're not pleased. And with Jack Easterby and all that. But I'm new. David Culley over here. He's our new head coach. He's new. The two of us, we both took this job because you're the quarterback here. And I am not going to be the guy that traded Deshaun Watson. So let's sit down and let's try and figure out what we can do to make this right. I can't, I can't do anything about the past, but I can fix the, help fix the future. But I will not trade you. And I don't want this to sound harsh, but if you, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make this right. But if you don't want to be here, I, 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 you know, we're going to retain your rights. And if you want to retire at age 25, you can retire at age 25. But I am not trading you because teams wait lifetimes to get a player as good as you to build their team around. We have that player and there's no way I'm going to let somebody of that caliber go because I'd be the dumbest general manager of all time. So that's what I would do. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. But I, I don't know. I would bet on Watson not wanting to retire at 25 years old. That's just me. That said, I hope the Texans are dumb enough that if Watson's camp starts leaking stuff out there and annoying the owner, that maybe there's a push to pull the trigger. But I, you guys know. Look how long you waited to see a quarterback after Jim Kelly. If Josh Allen continues to play, like let's say he has another year or two in a row like he just had, and then he goes, I want to be traded. Brandon Bean is going to be like, nah. No, Brandon Bean would essentially just tell him, like, listen, listen, kid, ah, what you don't understand. <laughs> he, would he would essentially be, it would be like the Godfather 2 when the guy from the, the, the gaming commission comes into Michael Corleone's office to try to talk to him. That's how it would go. I'm not doing anything. We're not, we, you, you're nobody. <laughs> and I know that sounds harsh, but it, that's how it would be handled. Now, here's what I will say is that for you guys as Jets fans, 
and this is a question that I think has to be answered because everyone just keeps saying, well, they have the capital, they have the capital, they have this, they have that. Bah, 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 bah. Maybe they could, maybe the Jets could make overtures to Watson that, hey, look, we're a real franchise now. We have a GM who has his shit together, and he isn't going to draft a guy in the third round who never plays for us. Like, this isn't going to happen. Even then, I mean, everybody wants a Pro Bowl quarterback. But the capital that you would give up in order to get him, how prohibitive would that be to your ability to build the type of team that you think? I mean, we just talked about it. Joe Douglas just underscored that he knows they need a they, they need a new team. Most positions need an overhaul. How much would it hurt you to trade away all of that capital to get that quarterback? Especially if the asking price is as high as multiple first round draft picks plus. So I was talking to a couple of people about this, and this is a subject that I've thought a lot about, as I'm sure you can imagine. I've spoken a lot about it, but here's how I look at it. Theoretically, let's say the Jets trade Sam Darnold, and just for the sake of argument, there have been some people that have said the Jets could get a first-round pick for him, but let's say that Albert Breer is the one who's right here. He said two second-rounders. So let's say that ends up being the price, right? They trade Sam Darnold for two second-rounders. And let's, for the sake of this conversation, say that it's the Indianapolis Colts. So they get the Colts' first, second rounder this year and their second rounder next year, right? So now this year, the Jets would have the number two pick, number 23, two second rounders, one of which would be number 34, right? You would then have a third, uh, two third rounders, and you would have a fourth, two fifths. Next year, you would also have two first rounders, right? So this is where I'm at. If you're the Jets, you could theoretically trade number tw- number two, number 23, number 34. So that's three picks in the top 34, right? You would still have that second rounder from the Colts, which I believe is number 50 or number 51. And you would have two picks in the third round, a pick in the fourth, two picks in the fifth, tons of salary cap space. Plus, you could, in addition, give up one of the first rounders next year and say a second rounder the year after that. Each of these years, you would still have a relatively normal draft because even though you wouldn't have a first-round draft pick in 2021, you would get Deshaun Watson in place of that pick, so you could consider him your first-round pick. But you would still have picks in every round, and you would have picks in every round the following year as well. You could then even – and again, this is the extreme scenario, right? So let's say you're giving up – like I said, you're giving up uh, the two firsts this year, one next year – a second rounder this year and a second rounder in 2023, right? Well, now you could even throw in players theoretically. Like, look, I like Foley Fadakasi. He's a really good player, one of the best run stuffers in the league. 25 years old on a cheap rookie deal. But the Jets have a defensive line that's pretty well stocked. So if he needs to be in the deal, okay. Ashton Davis. I like Ashton Davis. I was a big fan of his at Cal. He was a mixed bag his rookie year, but there's a ton of upside there. But he's a guy that could be a a starting safety, certainly. And he did start for the Jets for a while. You could put him in that deal as well. So theoretically, you could put those guys in the deal and all those draft picks, and you still have, even after acquiring Watson, something like $70 million to spend and picks in just in every round except for the first round where you would be getting Watson in place of the first rounder. So you could go hog wild. And still have plenty of assets to use to get 
good players. And remember, Drew, you know this. If you have a star quarterback, it makes it way easier to attract big-time free agents, especially when you're talking about New York, where if you do really well here and become a star, the marketing opportunities are off the chain. So you could easily do that. The, the question, of course, is are they willing to go that far? Will the Texans actually bend? And then ultimately, would Deshaun Watson okay a trade? Because remember, he's got that no trade clause. So a lot of people are freaked out about this. But look, guys, I'll say this. And you know, you know I'm right about this because you went through the same thing that we have as Jets fans. Deshaun Watson, if you were to pick a quarterback under the age of 30, or let's just put it this way. If you were to do a draft right now, just take every player in the league and do a redraft. There's a very good chance Deshaun Watson goes number two overall after Patrick Mahomes. And you're talking about a guy who's 25, an elite quarterback. You, I've literally watched the Jets for 35 years draft at best. Chad Pennington was the best quarterback. Well, no. <laughs> Ken O'Brien and Chad Pennington were the two best quarterbacks they've drafted in my, in my lifetime, right? And both were good, but they weren't great. Bad. They were fine. They were solid, but they weren't great. No, so no, you no. A chance to get. And I understand this, and I do. So then I guess the final question before we close out the line of Deshaun Watson questioning, any idea when you think the Jets will know, and this is, I think, a big piece to this, is does Douglas have a hard deadline in mind? Because this is what I think. You guys have a lot of cap space. Well, when you look at Deshaun Watson's contract, because this is the biggest storyline surrounding your team, and yet there's this thing that people aren't thinking about. He costs 15-9 this year against the cap. Next year, it skyrockets to $40 million. And the following year, it's 42. So you have cap space now, but you also have to be factoring in the future ramifications of that and how you've built this team. And that's going to directly influence your ability to go out into the free agent market and make moves. Is there any concern that this saga and the Jets being kind of linked to him could cause the GM to pause when it comes to making free agent moves, which then hurts the team long term because you can't go out there and make the moves you need to to improve the team now using the cap space you have on hand? I mean... You, you know what I mean? You don't. It's, this is like The Bachelor, you, a show that I don't watch. I refuse to watch any of these shows, but it would be like being the third chick kicked off the show. <laughs> like, you hung on for too long when so like you could have like, just gone out early and then gone out and maybe found some other, <laughs> some other guy who makes a ton of cash and dated him for a while. So like a Jenny Garrison who left after season two? <laughs> True. Jesus. Like, you know, I'm this beautiful woman, by the way. Oh, I hate you. I hate you just looking at you. (laughs) But so you know what I'm getting at here. The fact that waiting around for the Watson trade could have detrimental consequences to the New York Jets in terms of being active on the free agent market because of his cap hit. Does that concern you at all? Well, first of all, I have to say shout out to Heidi Noel Lenart if she's listening to this, (laughs) a.k.a. Jenny Garrison. So. So if you're listening to this, I still love you. As far as Joe Douglas and any deadline and all that, look, I'm sure he would love to get this done if it's going to get done before free agency. I think really realistically, if he's going to have any deadline at all, it would probably be the draft just because 
yeah, you want to be able to base your free agent decisions around what you're doing at quarterback, but Deshaun Watson's kind of a special case. So if you have to wait a little while, you go out and you get the best players you can get. I don't think Douglas is going to be necessarily capping himself out anyway. I think he's going to chase the guys that he thinks can really help him. For example, I think they'll go hard after Joe Tooney as just one guy that I think, and you could see them go after an Allen Robinson or something, but I'm sure that he would play it relatively careful one way or the other in terms of blowing all of his cap space in one shot. I do think that the quarterback position is interesting because I personally think, and we'll see what they do, but I personally think they need to move on from Sam Darnold. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. He's only got one year left on his deal. He's a reclamation project, and they are in position to either trade for possibly a franchise quarterback or, of course, draft a guy on a rookie deal who they think could become a franchise quarterback. So I think that they're going to go out in free agency, regardless of whether they have anything done with Watson at the time, and try and get the best players they can. Douglas will try and get you know the best contracts he can get done. And then the interesting thing will be heading into the draft. If this Watson thing isn't resolved, we'll see how it plays out. I'll tell you one thing, though. I think one guy that it's been very mixed. I, I put a poll up, actually, about this, and I was surprised at the results. But I said, hey, listen, what if... Deshaun Watson can't be had in a trade and the Jets call the Cowboys and ask about Dak Prescott and they're able to get a reasonable deal done. Let's say it's the 23rd pick and you flip the second pick for the 10th pick. This way you still have a top 10 pick, but you've given up the equivalent of the number 10 pick and number 23 to get Dak. You can work out a contract, whatever. And I put up a poll. It was literally 50-50 split on whether or not people would want Dak Prescott as wow. Jets quarterback. My thought on that is there's a guy who's a top 10 quarterback who's a proven commodity. And as much as you know, you fall in love with Wilson fields, whoever there's nothing like having an actual proven commodity and the odds of drafting someone better than Dak are not that great. So I think that's an area where, look, I don't know that Douglas will explore it, but there's been more and more whispers that there could be some tension there. And, Maybe the Jets kick the tires, but I think it's more likely that if they don't get Watson, they probably just go into the draft, draft a quarterback, move on from Darnold, and then, as I said, spend that money as wisely as they can, regardless of where they're at with the quarterback position at the moment. Speaking of spending money wisely, C.J. Mosley. That was a name. I was scratching my brain. I'm like, there's one more bad contract floating around out there for the Jets that we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah, C.J. Mosley. He's 7-5 this year against your cap. But he has a $19 million dead cap, so you can't cut him. And then next year, he's $17 million. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Who signs that contract? CJ, well, Mike McCagnan is the answer to that. But here's what happened there, too. Coronavirus kind of made that contract even worse in a way, if you can believe it. And I'll tell you why. Because CJ Mosley was paid a roster bonus, and then he opted out. So the roster bonus is done with. Now everything carries over a year other than the roster bonus. But the thing is, he's basically guaranteed his next two years because of, as you said, that dead cap hit. It makes it impossible to release him. So what C.J. Mosley basically did was he gave himself an extra year of guaranteed money. I don't think he did it on purpose that way. I think he legitimately opted out because of concerns over the virus. 
But in a way, it turned out to be genius for him because he got himself an extra year of guaranteed money, and now the Jets can't move away from him for another two years. And look, he's a great player. Problem is, of course, he had that big injury, and he's been out two years. So we have no idea what this guy's going to be like. If he comes back and he's the shell of himself, the Jets are going to be stuck for two years. So to answer your question, Mike McCagnin. <laughs> Chris, no, do you think that's an accident? Well, do you think that's an accident? That's like saying, hey, hey, that guy. Uh, it's an accident. He didn't mean to cut me in line. Well, he didn't mean to do... No, no. That guy uh, no. is self-serving, and he understands what he needs. I, I was going to say that C.J. Mosley is kind of like Mark Winkle. He hasn't been the same since Carnegie Hall. Oh, Jesus. You guys in your California... This is going to be the podcast that I look back at, and I go, California Dreaming, you sons of bitches. You, were, <laughs> you, you infiltrated my podcast with subpar TV. <laughs> How dare you? So this is it. Guests and needs, needs and wants. Needs and wants. Because that's what this breaks down to. Our guests come on this show to tell us about what they need and what they want out of this team in the offseason. I mean, Zero to Hero is a great story. But as the whole Buffalo Bills fan base can attest to, it does not happen in a singular offseason. I mean, in my lifetime, Chris, even with the number two pick, even if you did trade for a franchise quarterback, those teams don't go win the Super Bowl, right? I mean, Tampa Bay is probably the biggest outlier here that they went and signed yeah, Tom the, Brady. That'll be the new trend. That was it. You went and signed Tom Brady, a Hall of Famer, and won a Super Bowl. Outside of that, I don't know that it's ever really worked out that smoothly. So with that, I mean... <laughs> And with all the negative statistics working against you guys from last year, and all the work you have to do to overturn this roster, I don't know that there's any singular moves you could make that would put you into contender status with sustainability in one single offseason. I mean, RGM just won executive of the year, and he's been chipping away at a mess that he inherited for three seasons. So in this final segment before we let you go, I want you to talk a little bit about needs, like must-haves, this offseason. Apart from the Deshaun Watson nonsense, because that's going to dictate most of this. Your needs and the things that you selfishly want them to acquire this offseason. Well, what I need now is for me to find where Jenny Garrison is. So, Chris, thanks for putting that into my brain. (laughs) But as far as the Jets' needs and wants... I think they absolutely need to do something about the pass rush for once. Edge rusher. Now, that could mean somebody with their hand in the dirt, like a Kerry Hyder or somebody from the outside. However, Jeff Ulbrich would prefer, but they've got to do something. And that could be in the draft or it could be in free agency. But there are a lot of good pass rushers that look like they're going to be available in free agency. So that's one area for sure. Cornerback, absolute need. Bryce came in off IR. You can't rely on just him. The other cornerback spot is completely unresolved. Pierre Desir was there to start the year. He ended up getting cut midway through. So they need to make a big upgrade there, whether it's in the drafts or free agency, and maybe a couple of different upgrades. As far as uh, uh, other big needs, I mean, look, I, I'm now I'm sounding like Joe Douglas, but they really need an upgraded quarterback, interior offensive line, and... This, I guess, is, is a need, but it's more of a want. They need, or I, I would want to see them get a guy who could be 
And, and look, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying exactly like him because that's unrealistic considering how good he was, but they need a Stefan Diggs, somebody who can be that number one guy who can just take over a game sort of thing. So they need a lot of different things. And I think in free agency, they should aggressively attack the offensive line because Joe Tooney should be there. He was going to be their number one target last year. And then the Patriots pulled the rug out from under them by franchise tagging him. I think they should attack the edge rusher position. I don't love the edge rushers in this draft class, and I think there are a lot of good ones available. I'd like to see some guys in free agency, a corner, even just for depth. And then the draft, I mean, listen, they've got to do some things. It's a good corner class, so then they could get somebody there. The quarterback position is an absolute must, and I can't impress upon you enough how much I'm disappointed that Darnold hasn't worked out, but they've got to move on from him. And whoever it ends up being, whether it's Zach Wilson, who I prefer, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or something out of nowhere like either Watson or or Dak Prescott, they absolutely need to upgrade there. So I I think the draft picks should be concentrated on the offensive side of the ball and cornerback unless they can make some sort of huge splash in free agency. So that's really where I'm at. I mean, I hate to sound like Joe Douglas, but they really do need a lot of help in a lot of different areas. So a lot of needs, a lot of wants. Finish this sentence for me, and then we'll let you go. The Jets can win the AFC East in 2021 if this offseason they blank. Put out a contract hit on Josh Allen. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to Nancy Kerrigan, my quarterback? Oh, the Tanya Harding incident. God. Who knew? We are full of throwback references today. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Scott, we love you. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can everybody find your work? And w- Listen, we'll be listening, as our listeners should, if you want to be up to date on what's going on around the division. What do you have coming up in the, fall- in the next few weeks? First of all, gentlemen, always a pleasure. And you know I'm here anytime you want me. As far as what we're going to be doing, oh, man, so much stuff. We're going to be doing free agency roundtables. We're continuing to do that. So what I've been doing is having on people who don't normally talk about the Jets, but there are people who are big Jets fans but are known for other things. So, for example, Rob Sesternino, who is a former contestant on Survivor twice and who has a super successful reality show podcast called Rob Has a Podcast. Huge Jets fan. He's from Wontaw, so he came on the show to talk about what he thinks the Jets should do. Roger Clark, a two-time Emmy Award-winning reporter for New York One, also huge Jets fan. He came on. Joe Rivera from Sporting News. Chris Moore from WFAN. So we're getting a bunch of people to just chime in with different opinions and different thoughts. Also continuing to do the news. Daryl Slater from NJ.com is coming on. Michael Nania is helping us preview free agency. We've also got Nick Spano, my friend who is the co-founder of U Stadium and who's been killing it lately with reports. I mean, I hate to say this, but Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, half the time they're just lifting stuff from what Nick has reported a week or two earlier. That just happened with Albert Breer. He reported something in MMQB that Nick had said a week and a half ago. So he's coming on a lot. We're doing mailbags with Chris Nimbley. And then, guys, as you know, big announcement coming. Some changes. The podcast will still be every single day, seven days a week. That's not changing at all. But there's some interesting things in the works. And just circle on your calendar the date March 1st. Oh, I can't wait. It's a, it's a big change. It's like when the California Dreams got Sam Wu. Yes. Oh, 
Although hopefully it's better because I would go Jenny over Sam. <laughs> yeah, I hate I'm the with, both I'm with you. I'm I hate with the you. both of you. We got to end this podcast. But Scott, thank you so much for joining. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Scott Mason, you can find him on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet. One, it's like this is this is just like a another level to mine and his relationship for like production, and then he drops a California Dreams reference. So we, I mean, you two are like best friends. Yeah, God, Jesus, too bad he can't live here. I can get I can go a whole new direction with the podcast, <laughs> different hosts, and you know maybe a little bit better backing. You know, like a Lorena Costa get some money <laughs> behind it. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're stuck with me. And I walk away from this conversation. Now, Bills fans, you sat here, you listened through all of this. Here's what I'll say. Did you hear? Chris, if there's one thing I took away from everything they talked about tonight, I mean, the multiple Josh Allen references notwithstanding, he said they needed to go out and get a true number one guy like a Stefan Diggs, a guy who could just take over a game. Here's a question. And it helps us as Bills fans reflect back on where we are right now. When Stephon Diggs was getting 120 yards per game, who were you more enamored with? Stephon Diggs or Josh Allen? I think it's a little bit of both for me. It was, but how often did you, at the end of a game, look back and go, holy shit. I didn't realize Stephon Diggs had 140 yards receiving in that game. No, you didn't realize it. Because it wasn't a series of huge plays. It was just Diggs being available and Josh Allen making him making him useful. I mean, he left Minnesota because he wanted to be the alpha, right? Yeah. I want to be the target. Bah, 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 bah. Josh Allen says, hey, we're going to throw the ball 40 times a game, so pucker up, buttercup. And the two of them, their synergy, is kind of what propelled this passing offense this year. He quietly had over 100 yards in most of his games. It's incredible. With that said, the fact that there's another team who's out there going, man, we just, we just wish we had a playmaker who could take over a game the way Diggs could. And in my head, I'm going, well, it wasn't really even Diggs. It was just our quarterback just dishing. I mean, because... It's a combination of both. Hey, because think about it. First half of that San Francisco game, Diggs was a non-factor. 
Cole Beasley at 100 yards. Yeah. Cole Beasley at 100 yards in the first half. This is how far ahead of our competition we are as the Buffalo Bills. How crazy is that? Pretty pretty sweet. Already, like, right now, word of the favorites to repeat as division champions. No matter what these guys do, you can't touch me. Oh, I love it. And on that note, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That was Scott Mason. That's Chris Krueger with his ridiculous fucking hair and stupid TV shows. And this has been your AFC East Roundup.